Welcome back to the Crowd Noise Podcast, everybody. I am your host, Stephen Martinez, on a beautiful Thursday in March, March 7th, 2019. The weather is fantastic today. I got my wish from last week. It's starting to warm up. It's a, a comfortable 76. The sun is peeking through. It is kind of cloudy today. It's a little bit gray, but the sun's peeking through here and there. It's a fantastic day. It's a beautiful day, um, and it's a beautiful day to podcast. Every day is a beautiful day, but it's especially beautiful when I get to record the Crowd Noise Podcast. So, uh, we have a great show today. Um, that was a very convincing tease I just did there. We have some NFL stuff, some Kyler Murray. We kind of kind of skipped over the, the combine last week because there really wasn't. I mean, the combine just bores me to death. I really don't watch the combine, especially now in uh, quote unquote the social media era. Anything that I want to see, I can just see on Instagram. I don't have to watch the combine on, on TV. Um, I, because the only thing that's interesting, uh, you know, in, in my opinion is, is the 40 yard dash. That's the only thing that, that is even interesting. And I really believe it doesn't have anything to do with, can you play? It's just really how fast you are. John Ross had the all time greatest, uh, you know, 40 yard dash time. It was like a top 10 pick. He was taken before Patrick Mahomes and now he's being shopped around. I mean, he can't even, he's not even a starter in the league right now. So, you know, the, the combine really has nothing to do with the, you know, actually measuring if a player is good at the game of football it's just measurable so it's really not that interesting to me we skipped over that um and then there were no there were no stars kyler murray who we're going to talk about uh refused to even participate and the most interesting and i'm using quotes again here because that was what you know mainstream media would want you to believe is interesting was his height how tall was Kyler? which i don't care i really do not care um if he's an eighth of an inch taller than what we believed he was. I mean, it was, I mean, we just skipped that, but, um, you know, it's pretty much, it's set in stone. Kyler Murray's going number one overall. So we're going to talk about that. Why I think he shouldn't be a number one overall pick. Why I don't think he is a number one overall pick. Um, and you all can call me Kyler Murray haters. Uh, again, like I, like you did, uh, during the college football season when I said he shouldn't have been a Heisman trophy winner. And then he was, and uh, I said, he shouldn't be, or I'm going to tell you why he shouldn't be a number one overall pick, and he's going to be. So there's that. Uh, Mr. Big Chest is back in the news. It seems, uh, you know, it's, it's well, it's been official for a while. But the Steelers have said that they're finalizing a trade to get Antonio Brown, uh, excuse me, Mr. Big Chest, out of the building by this Friday. Unfortunate for me because, uh, you know, we do the show on Thursday. So we, I don't, I won't know who gets traded to officially until tomorrow, and then I won't be able to talk about that till next week. And by next Thursday, it'll be, you know, that'll be old news. No one's going to want to hear about that. So kind of unfortunate for me. But uh, the team that it looks like he's going to get uh, dealt to are the Raiders, which good for me is one of the two teams I said were most likely to, you know, land Antonio Brown. So I guess that was, you know, good psychic skills by me because I said that I picked, I, you know, in all fairness, I did say I picked the Cardinals. But the top two teams I felt he would go to were the Cardinals and then the Raiders and then a dark horse being the Packers. But it seems like they're kind of out. Uh, and the Cardinals are also out. They have no, they have enough to deal with with Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen. They don't need to add Antonio Brown um, to that mix. Um, and then we've got some NBA stuff. I tried to hold out, you know, hold out hope because I didn't want to sell stock on the King. I said the Lakers and uh, uh playoff or stay off they would jump in not only make the playoffs but get to the seventh spot uh, and then they lost their next two games and I was still holding out hope the absolute last last chance for the Lakers was against the Clippers at home 
and then they blew it. They just, I mean, they've been so uninspired. It's it's just depressing, boring basketball. I mean, they're they're a mess. So we're gonna what went wrong because they were the fourth seed in the West at one point. And actually, as soon as LeBron went down, they beat they, uh, that was on Christmas Day. They beat the Warriors. They throttled the Warriors um, in Oakland. They were the fourth seed in the West at that point, and then it just hit the fan from there. A lot of people say it was LeBron going down. Uh, you know the the chemistry or lack thereof after the the Anthony Davis deal fell through. You know, not I don't think there's any one point in the season where you can say that's where it it collapsed. Because I mean, I think there's a, just a whole combination of things. There's plenty of blame to go around. So we're gonna talk about that. What went wrong with the Lakers season? Because everything was started off great, and then uh, you know it just uh, now we're. Now they have better odds of landing Zion Williamson than they do of make. They're not making. It, they're not mathematically eliminated, but they're done. I mean, they're they're just finished. And I think they should tank. Actually, I think if they lose the rest of their the games uh, going forward, they have like a thirty or forty percent chance of landing a top five pick. So yeah, let's just go all in and just tank for the you know the rest of the way, um, and see who the Lakers can get. It'd be interesting if maybe not so much Zion Williamson because he's going number one. But if they landed an R.J. Barrett or a John Morant, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. We'll talk about that later. Um, and then some college basketball. We are officially two weeks from today, March 7th, 2019. We are two weeks away from the tournament. I cannot, I can't wait. And I can't stress enough how excited I am. It's my favorite week of the year's tournament week. The first weekend, I should say, because that's when all the madness happens. It's just non-stop basketball from 10 to 10, Thursday to Sunday. It's just, it's beautiful. I love March madness. I cannot wait. We're two weeks away. I'm counting down the days. Um, and two Sundays away, right, from Selection Sunday. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Selection Sunday will be the 17th. That's St. Patrick's Day. Um, and therefore, we are two Wednesdays away from the Crowd Noise March Madness special. So we have one more Crowd Noise next week, and then we get the March Madness special, the Bracket Palooza, and then the next day Thursday. I won't. There won't be an episode on Thursday. It'll be the Wednesday right before that. The tournament starts the twenty-first. We're going to be doing a Crowd Noise on the twentieth because I want to watch the games. So, and I know you want to watch the games. So you're probably not going to listen to the podcast because you're going to be too busy you know, watching all these crazy upsets, and so am I. So we're going to be doing that on the 20th. I can't wait. But in the meantime, we do have not so much a palate cleanser, but an appetizer. Next week is Champ Week. Fantastic. I've said, I said last week, Champ Week is more important than the tournament. The tournament is way more fun by far, but Champ Week is more important because that's when you really start to see teams you know, shape into form. What are they going to look like in the tournament? Uh, the bubble teams are going to start fighting and claw their way into the tournament, get those 12, uh, 11 seeds. It's going to be great. So next week is champ week. We're going to be talking about that this Saturday. I mean, fantastic games this Saturday, both on ESPN. Uh, Tobacco Road round two in Chapel Hill. Duke, Carol- number four, Duke um, against number three, Carolina at 3 p.m. Pacific. And then right after that, the fun doesn't stop there. Number seven, Michigan, on the road at East Lansing against number nine, Michigan State. That's at 5 p.m. Pacific. They're back-to-back, one after another. So Saturday is going to be some great basketball. Then next week we have some great basketball in Champ Week. 
Um, and there's some really strong conference. Like the SEC is going to be really interesting. You have Kentucky, Tennessee, LSU, all ranked in the top 10. You have three teams in the top 10 in the SEC. Uh, the ACC, obviously, I mean, that, that's always the best tournament, not my favorite. You obviously have Duke, Carolina, Virginia. Um, and then you have the you know, lower-tier teams that are going to be fighting, maybe not so much on the bubble, bubble but they're going to be fighting for seating in the tournament, like Syracuse, uh, NC State, Virginia Tech. That's going to be a great, great tournament. Um, the Big 12, mm, I don't know how interesting the Big 12 is going to be, but you know, uh, Kansas obviously eliminated from regular season championship in the Big 12. They snapped a 14 year long streak. Uh, you know, can they kind of get revenge, I guess, uh, in a conference tournament? I don't think so, but uh, you know, that's how, that's how you do a tease. Uh, Texas Tech though, really great team in Texas Tech. They're going to be playing in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, yeah, so we got some great stuff. Let's go ahead and get right into it. We're going to lead off with uh, Kyler Murray and why I feel like he should not be a number one pick in the, or why I feel like he is maybe not worthy of a number one overall pick uh, in this upcoming draft. Um, and I know a lot of people are just going to label me as just a hater now. Um, that's okay. That's fine because, uh, you know, I'm not a hater. I just call it the way I see it. And, uh, you know, I, I just think this whole situation is just kind of ridiculous you know the height thing uh, immediately gets compared as soon as you're if you're six foot flat or under that you're drew Brees. uh any shorter than you know five nine you're doug flutie russell wilson i mean i it's just it just frustrates me it frustrates me these these lazy comparisons that people throw around um you know comparing him to baker mayfield comparing him to russell wilson drew Brees. can we stop with that please Kyler Murray played one year at Oklahoma, and he won the Heisman, which, again, I also did not agree with. I felt it should have been Tua Togabailoa. But he won the Heisman, fair and square, whatever. Um, You know, he had one of the best offenses in the country, fine, whatever, played for Oklahoma, uh, so be it. But Kyler Murray, if you take him number one overall, what you are saying is that he is unequivocally the best player in the entire draft board. And that is something that I just cannot agree with. And there, the thing that frustrates me is it depends on how do you look at this question? Should or is Kyler Murray a number one overall draft pick? That question actually has two meanings. There's a connotative meaning and there's a denotative meaning. Is he a number one pick in the sense that he's the best? No, absolutely not. Is he the best player available out of everyone? He's by far the best prospect uh you know eligible to be drafted no not i would say not even we don't even know if he's better than dwayne haskins okay and i don't think dwayne haskins is an nfl quarterback i could be wrong but i don't there isn't a gem a quarterback gem in every single draft there just isn't for a while from like 2000 uh you know 10 to like 14 or something like that we only got one his name was andrew luck for like five or six years we had a rough stretch of quarterbacks and there was a, all we got was Andrew Luck. Uh, when was Russell Wilson? Okay, maybe Russell Wilson. I don't know when Russell Wilson was drafted, but potentially only two at that point. Two in five or six years, Russell Wilson and Andrew Luck. That's it. So there's no guarantee that either of those guys are going to be good, which I don't think they will be. Um, in the denotative meaning, is he going to be a number one pick or is Kyler Murray a number one pick? Yes, because the, the Cardinals, are they're drafting him. 
the the Cardinals have all but confirmed they're taking Kyler Murray number one number one uh, overall, which frustrates me even more because the Cardinals are taking. Yes, they have Cliff Kingsbury, and he said he's he would take him number one overall. That was before he even had the Arizona job, and then he got the job, and now lo and behold, here he's he's getting ready to draft Kyler Murray. They already have Josh Rosen, who had he wasn't Baker Mayfield, okay. And that's another thing that bothers me. Kyler Murray is not even as good as Baker Mayfield. He's not the leader as, uh, that Baker Mayfield is. You know, I don't know if he has the same kind of moxie. And it goes back to leadership. You know, Baker Mayfield, he, he was handed the keys to the Cleveland Browns, okay? And he took over. Baker Mayfield took command of the Cleveland Browns and led that locker room. That tells you all you need to know about May- Baker Mayfield. Had a fantastic rookie year. Okay, so I don't understand why Kyler Murray, well, Baker Mayfield went number one overall, but I don't think Kyler Murray is better than Baker Mayfield or even at the same. He's a better athlete, sure, but he's not, when you get to the NFL, you're not going to be able to just flat outrun people. You see a lot of Kyler Murray's highlights. They're just him outrunning guys. I mean, just sprinting past, you know, defensive backs, cornerbacks, safeties. He's just sprinting past these guys. You're not going to be able to do that in the NFL. You're just... Not all the athletes are bigger, stronger, faster, and smarter. I don't, that's not going to happen, number one. Um, and then he's also very fortunate to be in this draft class. If Kyler Murray was in last year's draft class when you had Darnold, Mayfield, Rosen, Allen, uh, Jackson, would he even be a, a first-round pick? Think about it. If you had all the, those five guys I just mentioned, all had great rookie year. Well, not all great, but they all had good rookie seasons I don't know one that had a bad rookie year I guess if you had to rank them all Sam Darnold my favorite Sam Darnold had the worst rookie year out of all those guys and he still did okay for a rookie I mean just thrown straight to the wolves you know in in New York and he had a pretty decent rookie year but compared to those other guys yeah he was the worst of the five so that tells you all uh, everything you need to know about last year's class. Would Kyler Murray even be a first-round draft pick in last year's class? I would say, well, he'd probably probably be a first-round pick. But how would he stack up with those other guys? Lamar Jackson took the league by storm. He led the Ravens to the playoffs in a division title. Josh Allen would look like he had Michael Vick numbers and that's not an exaggeration that is the truth Josh Allen had Michael Vick numbers running around and throwing the ball it wasn't just a runner Sam Darnold took him a while he had some injury I mean excuse me not injury um, interception problems but we knew that coming into it we knew that was Sam Darnold he liked he was a kind of a gunslinger you know put the ball in places it shouldn't have gone but he had an okay rookie it wasn't terrible okay he wasn't Ryan Leaf or anything like that he did okay um Mayfield obviously was fantastic. I mean, damn near got the Browns to the playoffs, took command of that locker room, and they probably are a legitimate threat to win the AFC North next year. Um, And then that leaves Josh Rosen. This whole thing comes back full circle. Josh Rosen, I would say you can make the argument him and Darnold had, you know, the closest rookie seasons because neither of them were great and uh, neither of them were terrible. But Josh Rosen had a solid rookie year. Considering what he was handed, I would say out of all the rookies that were drafted in the first round, all the quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round last year, Josh Rosen got the absolute 
worst situation out of all those guys. Yes, he has Larry Fitzgerald, and yes, he has uh, David Johnson. That doesn't make your whole entire team. They had a historically awful offensive line. Um, And then for a guy who's not mobile, he was probably the most stationary quarterback in last year's, uh, you know, out of the first round group last year was Josh Rosen. But people forget that people have such short memories. Pre-draft, everyone had their own red flags and, and, uh, you know, their pros and their cons. Josh Rosen, people forget this. He was labeled the most pro-ready quarterback in the draft. Out of everyone, Darnold, Mayfield, Allen, all those guys, everyone felt universally that Josh Rosen was most ready to play in the NFL right now. And now all of a sudden, the Cardinals are shopping him around for a third-round pick? Are you kidding me? A third-round pick for Josh Rosen, who went number 10 last year and had a, you know, a decent rookie year. A rookie, I mean, even, we're not even talking about it's like Jared Goff. Remember, he was labeled a bust, and they brought in Sean McVay, and he went to the Super Bowl. He, they gave Jared Goff more time than they gave Josh Rosen. Now, all of a sudden, we're, he's not even worth a, another first-round pick. A third-round pick is what they're shopping around Josh Rosen for. Are we even sure that Kyler Murray is as good or better than Josh Rosen? I would say no. Josh Rosen, when you watch him play, he can spin it. He can throw the ball downfield. He can hit, I mean, bullseye passes. He's in a bad... I mean, just give him... My goodness, give the guy some time. He only had one season. And he played okay for what he had. He had a terrible offensive line. The defense was... I mean, the Cardinals... They were the worst team in the league. They had the number one overall pick for a reason. They were bad, okay? And it wasn't because of Josh Rosen. And Larry Fitzgerald the other day said on the Mina Kimes podcast, which, by the way, quick plug here... Once you're done listening to the Crowd Noise podcast, I highly recommend you go listen to me and the Kimes podcast. It's a great show. Her dog is in it, so that's all you need to know about that. But anyway, Larry Fitzgerald said it's hard to do anything when you're constantly on your back. And that wasn't a shot at Josh Rosen. That was a shot at the offensive line. They, they did not protect him whatsoever. So now all of a sudden, one season removed, and they had a defensive coach last year, mind you, kind of like Jared Goff. Um, they're trying to get rid of him, and he's probably going to end up in Washington, D.C., um, and who knows where we're going to go from there. But good Lord, I don't see how Kyler Murray... Is he Andrew Luck? Really? Andrew Luck was one of the only guys where, I mean, just definitively, yeah, he's the best player in the draft. You, if you're an idiot, if you don't take him number one overall. Is that Kyler Murray? I don't see Andrew Luck generational talent in Kyler Murray. I really don't. I don't think he's as good as Baker Mayfield, who went number one overall last year. So I don't, I don't see how Kyler Murray can be the number one overall pick when you already have a quarterback you just drafted last year who has some skill. It's not like Josh Rosen is a bum and they made a mistake. They didn't. They got a great quarterback at a pretty discounted price. If you ask me, at number 10, when the biggest knock against Josh Rosen was he was smarter than Jim Mora Jr., that's why people didn't draft him in the top five because he was quote-unquote arrogant. He had some injury problems, I'll give you that much. He's not as, mo- I, like I said, he's the most stationary quarterback out of last year's big five. But he probably has the best arm and the most accurate arm out of all those big five. So I just don't understand how you can, you know, 
definitively say we're taking Kyler Murray over that. If you ask me who I'd rather start my franchise with right now, Kyler Murray or Josh Rosen, I would take Josh Rosen. I really would because he's a much better thrower of the football. Uh, He's very intelligent. Like I said, a lot of people didn't like that. He's almost too smart for his own good, which makes no sense to me. Um, And Kyler Murray, all of a sudden, you know, Charlie Casterly said, and we don't know this. We can't confirm this because we don't know Kyler Murray or not. Um, We don't know if this is true, but Charlie Casterly said, uh, you know, his sources are telling him that Kyler Murray was horrendous on the board. He has horrendous study habits. He just bombed all the interviews uh, at the Combine. And do I believe Charlie Casterly's sources told him that? Yes. Is that entirely true? I don't know. I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't there at the Combine. I don't know Kyler Murray personally. Um, But why is this coming up all of a sudden? It could be, now I will be fair, that could be teams trying to devalue Kyler Murray and potentially steal him away from the Cardinals at, uh, at a lower draft spot. But that didn't come out with Josh Rosen. It came out that he was too smart. He's a little bit cocky, kind of arrogant. I'd rather have that guy than Kyler Murray. Um, and I don't see how he's the best player in this year's draft. And he may not even have been the best quarterback in last year's draft. He may not even been the fifth best quarterback in last year's draft. So that's just my take on Kyler Murray going number. And he's going to be taken number one. That's the irony out of all of this. He's going to be drafted number one. And everyone's going to throw it in my face like I'm wrong. No, I know everyone knows he's going number one. I'm not arguing that. I'm saying I don't think he's deserving of a number one overall pick. I don't think he's better than Dwayne Haskins. Is it definitive that he's a better quarterback than Dwayne Haskins? I don't think it is. I don't think it's that clear cut. And I don't feel that Dwayne Haskins is going to be a game changer in the NFL. So, you know, on to Mr. Big Chest, I guess. The Steelers said on Monday of this week that they would have finalized a deal for Antonio Brown by Friday of this week, and it is now Thursday of this week. So we are potentially less than 24 hours away from seeing Antonio Brown being dealt away from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, there's no official deal on the table yet, but it's, uh, you know, it's pretty much set in stone. He's going to Oakland. Um, And that was one of the teams that I said he could get dealt to. Now, the number one team I said he'd probably get uh, traded to were the Arizona Cardinals, only because they play in the NFC, not the AFC, and the Steelers would never have to worry about playing them. Um, But they have enough to deal with on their plate. With They're going to have to trade Josh Rosen and then draft Kyler Murray, and they have a first-year head coach. So you have a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach and Antonio Brown, he would dismantle that locker room. It would be a nightmare. So good on Arizona uh, for not making that deal. I understand why they would not want to make that deal. I also do not understand why Oakland would want to make this deal. Uh, But like a lot of things the Raiders do, I don't understand it. So, I mean, this is pretty much consistent with with what they've been doing since John Gruden uh, took over. I was under the impression that the Raiders were going to go under a full rebuild. Tear it down from scratch, and then rebuild it. Um, and they, they, you know, they shipped out Khalil Mack. They shipped out Amari Cooper. They have three first-round draft picks now. Um, and now they're going to turn those two draft picks into Antonio Brown, potentially. Um, I, I don't understand it. Does he make the Raiders better? Yes. Um, 
how much better. I, he's a 30-year-old wide receiver who's still producing. It's not like he's slowing down and he's starting to, you know, shine, starting to show signs of declining. But how does that help the Raiders in the future? It really doesn't make any sense to me because he helps you in the sense you're going to win more games with Antonio Brown, but you're not going to win your division. You're not making the playoffs. You're definitely not going to win a Super Bowl or have any hopes of getting to a Super Bowl. So I don't understand why you shipped out your other two franchise guys and you're bringing in another one who's aging um, and then you use those draft picks that you acquired in doing so. So now you only have one draft pick. I think it's a number four pick. Look, I don't. I really don't understand. And it's good in the sense if you think, uh, well, they turned Amari Cooper into Antonio Brown. And Antonio Brown is definitively better than Amari Cooper. I'm not even going to argue that. But... You all, in that sense, you gave away Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper for Antonio Brown. So that, that, that kind of defeats that argument because Khalil Mack is better than both of those guys combined. I'd rather have Khalil Mack than Amari Cooper and Antonio Brown. That's how great of a pass rusher he is. I mean, he's a generational talent. So it's not good in, in that sense of the argument. I don't know what... John Gruden has planned. I don't think John Gruden knows what John Gruden has planned. I feel like he kind of is just making things up as he's going along. We don't even know what he's going to use that top, that first pick for. He might end up, if the Cardinals end up passing on Kyler Murray, the Raiders might end up drafting Kyler Murray themselves. He said a bunch of, like, uh, so many times over the, the combine that Derek Carr's their guy. They're not interested in Kyler Murray. And yet no one believes him. Everyone said that, or Peter King said he's the worst poker player of all time. He wants Kyler Murray more so than the Cardinals do. So we don't even, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Then you have that situation that I described in Arizona. You'd have that in Oakland. A rookie quarterback having to put up with Mr. Big Chest in Oakland. And by the way, they're a year away from being moved to Vegas. So it just adds to the circus. I really don't understand. This move just doesn't make any sense. And I... It makes sense for the Steelers because you get two first-round draft picks in return and you get to watch Antonio Brown blow up again in another locker room because they're going to lose games. They're not going to be very good. Will they be better than they were last year? Sure. Like I said, he'll help them win games. He's that good enough of a player that he'll help them get another game or two, but they're not going to be as good as the Pittsburgh Steelers were. And at some point, either he'll realize that he, like Larry Fitzgerald said, he had a great situation. He should probably, you know, pipe down a little bit. You're on a Super Bowl contending team. Um, And then you you forced your way out of it. You made a buffoon of yourself with your Larry Bird mustache. And now you're playing in Oakland in a dysfunctional franchise with John Gruden as your head coach. He's going to be screaming at you day in and day out because his hair is more blonde than your mustache. You're going to have arguments about that. It just doesn't make any sense from either side. And, uh, you know, Antonio Brown thinks that he's Jerry Rice. He really does. I feel like in Antonio Brown's mind, he thinks he's better than Jerry Rice. Um, He wants to be Jerry Rice, which I can't knock him for that. Who doesn't want to be Jerry Rice? But, you know, he said he'd like to play in Oakland because Jerry Rice played there. He actually played there under John Gruden too, so maybe there's you know there's a there is a connection there, but I just don't see how this makes either party satisfied. I really don't because what the Raiders, what I thought they were going to do initially was rebuild from the ground up, 
And Antonio Brown kind of, you know, he destroys that that rebuild in a sense because you're you're gonna have to when you bring in a player like an Anto- like Antonio Brown, a top five at his position. He's actually top three, top two at his position. He may be top one at his position. You're making a sign that you're kind of trying to win games. And maybe they are. Maybe while they're in Oakland, they're going to try and win. And then when they're in Vegas, try to rebuild. That doesn't, I don't like that idea either because you're going to have, you're in a new market. You have to be interesting. Fans are not going to come out in Vegas, especially in Vegas, a sports town. And I only say a sports town because there's so much gambling involved. People in Vegas know what they're talking about when it comes to sports because they're all gamblers. Okay, so they have to know what they're talking about because money's involved. They're not going to pay money to come see you tank actively. So I don't understand what this move does for any party. Uh, I don't like what this is going to do to Derek Carr. This puts immense pressure on Derek Carr you know, to perform at a level to get Antonio Brown the ball um, as many times as humanly possible, play up to the standards that, standards that John Gruden has set, and now you have to play up to the standards that Mr. Big Chest has set for you. If uh, Ben Roethlisberger wasn't good enough for Antonio Brown, who is? Honestly, who is? And that's, I mean, I don't understand it. You know, the Packers could be a dark horse team to make a move tomorrow. Uh, I don't think they will because they're not a very, they don't really make moves like that. You know, traditionally, the Packers don't make really too many blockbuster deals. But if you put Aaron Rodgers and Antonio Brown together, on the football field, they would be ridiculous. It'd be absolutely ridiculous. I think that would put them back as the favorites to win the North, even over the Bears. I mean, just that's how good Aaron Rodgers is, and that's how good Antonio Brown is. But chemistry-wise, you know, that could... Aaron Rodgers is already kind of toxic in that locker room. Then you add Mr. Big Chest to that equation. I don't... So I really don't know um, if Antonio Brown fits... I don't know if Antonio Brown fits on a winning team in a winning culture. Now, I've said before the Steelers are the most dysfunctional franchise... In North America. I did say that earlier because they have been, I mean, they've just been a mess. For as much talent as they have, they should have won a few Super Bowls by now with Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. Now they're losing both of them, but that's besides the point. But how much of that really is Antonio Brown? Maybe it's all Antonio Brown. Maybe it's some of them, most of them. I mean, it was just a bad situation in Pittsburgh. But traditionally, the Pittsburgh Steelers are a winning franchise. They're a well-run franchise traditionally. Hasn't been that way as of lately. So if you can't win or be successful in a place like the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are a blue-blood franchise in the NFL, I don't know where you can. I don't know where you fit. I really don't. Um, you know, and it's kind of. Ha- I would maybe see a team that's in like win right now mode. Like I've said before in the past, Houston. I would love to see. Uh, Antonio Brown in Houston across from DeAndre Hopkins that would be absolutely ridiculous but then you have to you have to think about well is Antonio he didn't want to take a back seat to Juju Smith-Schuster is he really going to be DeAndre Hopkins's number two and DeAndre Hopkins is better than Juju Smith-Schuster that's not I kind of sounds like I was saying the opposite point what I was saying is um you know Juju Smith-Schuster is good but DeAndre Hopkins might actually be better than Antonio Brown. How is that going to work out in the locker room? So I don't know where Antonio Brown fits. So I guess he kind of is a perfect match for the Raiders because this is a franchise that has no direction, has no sense of urgency, 
I mean, like, like I said, no sense of direction, kind of like Antonio Brown. So maybe this whole thing is just crazy enough that it might work. I don't know. But most likely, it's going to be awful. And we're going to have a great time on this show dissecting every single week how dysfunctional the Raiders are and the dynamic between Antonio Brown and John Gruden and Derek Carr, how he could want, he wants to be anywhere else in the world other than Oakland and can you blame him? I just, uh, you know, I don't see how this move makes sense for anyone, including the Steelers, because like I said, they're losing Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Granted, you get two first-round draft picks in return, maybe even three if you play your cards right, but are any of those guys going to be as talented as Le'Veon Bell or Mr. Big Chest? I would say probably not. Um, but you know, they are the biggest winners in this, of this deal because they get rid of two problems. Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell are both you know, a solution and a problem. They're great players. with you know, They're just full of distractions. And they're, they're kind of drama kings, the both of them. So this is just a really strange situation. It's kind of frustrating. Um, so it's kind of the perfect landing spot for Antonio Brown in the sense of the culture. Uh, and it's a terrible landing spot for Antonio Brown in the sense of, you know, the football move itself. I just, you know, how terrible. What an awkward ending to this segment because this is an awkward situation you have a guy with a Larry Bird mustache and a Lego man haircut and he feels like he's a better player or he has more jurisdiction than a player with two Super Bowl rings in a franchise that has tied for the most Super Bowls in the entire league and uh, you know he's getting sent to you know just a circus in Oakland where he may not even be the biggest star they still have Marshawn Lynch. He may not even be the biggest presence on his team. And Marshawn Lynch is not a bad locker room guy, but everyone loves Marshawn Lynch. Come on. He's one of the most fun players in the, in the entire NFL. How is Antonio Brown going to deal with that? And the Steelers, I'm sure, do not care about that. They are not concerned with his well-being whatsoever. But that's a problem that the Raiders are going to have to deal with. And the Raiders are going to have a lot of problems to deal with over the course of the next nine years. That's, the, that's how much time John Gruden has left on his contract. What a mess. What a mess on, on both sides. Antonio Brown and the Oakland Raiders. Um, and it may not even... <laughs> the trade hasn't even gone through yet. The trade isn't even official. We don't know until tomorrow if he's actually going to the Raiders. I feel like he will. And it's pretty... The league... Adam Schefter says he's pretty much going to Oakland. So, you know, just buckle up. We're in March right now. The season doesn't start till September, and we have, and then we still have Le'Veon Bell. We don't even know where he's going, though, though he has more freedom because he's a free agent. Um, and I think he's gonna actually going to get a really good situation. Probably going to end up in either New York or what would really be a great spot for him, Indianapolis. Antonio Brown, however, is going to the Oakland Raiders. Now on to the NBA. There are no ads today. I know you guys are probably tired of hearing the same ad over and over and over. And I'm tired of only getting like one penny per ad list. And so this is a sponsorless episode uh, of the Crowd Noise podcast. So uh, you're welcome, I guess, for, you know, 
sparing you like a, a minute and a half or something of, of an ad. So there you go. We're on in the NBA. Um, and the Los Angeles Lakers, after another loss last night, are all but, I mean, it's all over but the shouting. They're not making, they're done. They're not making the playoffs. And, you know, their odds are now better of getting the number one overall draft pick than making the playoffs. If they were to lose, if they kept the same pace that they're on right now for the rest of the season, I think there's 17 games left. They have like a 30 or 40% chance of getting a top five lottery pick. How quickly the tables have turned, you know, from last week. And I felt like they were, I felt like they were going to make a, a, that push. I felt like it was finally time. Okay, this is when LeBron's going to become LeBron. They're going to win seven of eight or something like that. Jump into the seventh spot, play Denver, beat them in the first round, get in the second round, maybe beat Portland or something like that. And then, I don't know. I felt like they were, like it was finally going to turn around because things usually work out for LeBron James. It's very rare that everything goes wrong for LeBron. And this is a season where everything went wrong for LeBron and the Lakers. So whose fault is it? What happened? Because like I said, at one point they were the fourth best team in the West. The fourth best team in the West. I mean, the Lakers were a legitimate contender in the West, you know, to make, not only make the playoffs, obviously at number four, but, you know, get to the Western Conference Finals at that point. And then LeBron went down uh, and they were just terrible from there. Kuzma's been hurt in excuse me, hurt and inconsistent. Tyson Chandler helped for like a week and then he disappeared. Um, And it's so, who is to blame? At what point, and then some people feel like it was the Antonio Brown, excuse, not Antonio Brown, good Lord, Anthony Davis trade. I don't even know where that came from. Um, People felt it was the uh, Anthony Davis failed trade that kind of destroyed the locker room. I don't, potentially but then because a lot of people were saying oh it destroyed uh you know the chemistry of the young guys in the lock the young guys were not the problem actually for a while Kyle Kuzma was balling out of his mind and then he looked like he was untradeable then he really cooled off um and then Brandon Ingram took over he he you know stepped right into his shoes he was balling and, and looked like okay now he's untradeable it wasn't the young guys it really really wasn't it was the veterans and the veterans weren't even in those Trade talks, mostly. I mean, Rondo was kind of in there, but the the main trade chips were the young guys. Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, and then, you know, Michael Beasley or Rondo just to to sweeten the deal or whatever. I mean, just for cap purposes, I guess. Um, They were the ones that were failing LeBron James. When's the last time you heard of Lance Stevenson? I, I don't think he's done the air guitar in like three months. He's been awful. So as part of this blame, I don't feel it was the Anthony Davis deal. I really don't. Could it have been? Sure. But that we don't really know because we're not in the locker room. Um, We see LeBron James. He still looks like LeBron. He's still putting up like 27 points a game, uh, almost averaging a triple-double since he's returned from his injury. He had 31 last night. So LeBron James, the player, may not necessarily be the problem. Um, it may be LeBron James, the leader. Um, and who it's just, there's so much blame to go around. I personally put, I do put some blame on LeBron because he is LeBron. He's supposed to be the savior, the, not the savior. And let me back up there. He's supposed to be the face of the franchise and he is, he's the best player on the team and potentially the best player 
in the league. And thinking about what I just said, it's gotten to the point where now we're saying potentially. Last summer, LeBron was undoubtedly the best player in the world. Now, all of a sudden, we're not sure. It may be Kevin Durant. It may be Giannis. It may be LeBron, though he's having a kind of off year. He's really not. Statistically, he's, he hasn't really dropped off that much, if at all. Um, and it's just what I mean by LeBron the player when I say I put some blame on him. He hasn't gone, and this is where, you know, ironically, he passed Michael Jordan last night in all-time scoring. This is where I lean on the LeBron-Jordan debate. Michael Jordan took over games single-handedly. He took over playoff series. And LeBron had done that for a stretch, you know, in Cleveland. Like, you know, specifically last year. Um, and then his first time in Cleveland, it seemed like, man, LeBron is just single-handedly carrying these guys into the finals. But you're in a stretch, and especially like last week, when they were kind of, you know, their backs were already up against the wall. They needed LeBron James to not just be LeBron James. They needed him to take it to an, a different level. And he didn't. He kind of, it seemed like he just stayed at the same. He said the playoff mode had been activated. He could have fooled me. He wasn't even playing defense. He wasn't playing half of the game. He just was refusing to play any defense whatsoever. And his offensive numbers and his statistics and his all that stuff stayed the same. Like he didn't take over and put the team on his back like a Michael Jordan, whether because he just he just gave up and he didn't want to get to the playoffs and he didn't want that weight on his shoulders or because he just didn't have that second gear in his head that Michael Jordan had or Kobe Bryant had or James Harden had. Remember earlier in the year when everyone was down uh, for the Rockets, James Harden went on that ridiculous scoring streak because he had to. And he said, I don't really prefer to play this way, hero ball, but I did this to keep our heads above water. James Harden had that killer will, that assassin's mentality to take over games single-handedly to win games. And LeBron, he did not. It seemed like he just didn't have that second gear, even though he said playoff mode had been activated. I don't know what, I don't, maybe he activated 1-2-3 Cancun mode. Maybe he hit the wrong switch. I don't know. But he still had solid numbers. It's not like, and then of course, he was horrendous, turning to Shaquille O'Neal from the free throw line. I mean, all embarrassing. Honestly, like aside, if, even if they were in the playoffs right now, what is wrong with LeBron James at the free throw line? Honestly, I don't understand how you you're the best player in the world, but you can't make free throws. That just kind of it really, really just confuses me. But that's not why they're losing. It is a part, but I'm not saying you know they've lost because LeBron can't shoot free throws. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. That's not why they're losing games. He's still playing good enough. He's playing good, but not to the next level that the Lakers needed him to go to. Um, so I put some blame on LeBron because he is the captain. He is the best player, and he's supposed to be the leader, and it looks like he's not He's not playing as a leader. He just isn't. So I put some of the blame on him. Um, and I say some because I don't think it's entirely his fault. He's still playing at a high level, just not, you know, He's like I said, like a Jordan, like he's just taking over games, willing his team there, you know, assassin, killer, James Harden, Kobe Bryant mode. And I'm going to throw all the adjectives I possibly can. You get the point. It's not all on LeBron. I think most of this, I would say probably 70-30. The 70 going to Magic Johnson and Rob Palinka for orchestrating this ridiculous roster that they threw together. 
Um, and they didn't even, it's just absolutely ridiculous. The, the lineup that they gave LeBron to work with, obviously the young guys, you know, those were kind those were the attractive pieces of the franchise that may or may not have drawn LeBron to LA in the first place. You know, and those were the guys that they were going to use to turn into Anthony Davis. But it's everyone else. All these one-year mercenaries that they brought in. Rondo, Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley, Tyson Chandler, JaVale McGee. It just did not work. They tried to reinvent the wheel. and We're going to get defenders and playmakers. You already have that. It made no sense. And I said that way back in the beginning, but with some optimism because it was the beginning of the season and they had LeBron James. This is just a really weird, strangely constructed roster. Like, you already have Lonzo and then you bring in Rondo, who's just an older version of Lonzo Ball. Um, You have Lance Stevenson, who's a defender and a playmaker. You already have Lonzo and then Rondo, who's a playmaker. It's just... Rondo is like a, it's a defender and a, and a playmaker. Lonzo's a defender and a playmaker. Then they brought in Lance Stevenson, who's a defender and a playmaker. Then they brought in Michael Beasley, who was supposed to be their scoring punch off the bench. They got rid... I mean, he plays in China now. Literally, I'm not joking. He, they traded him to the Clippers, and then the Clippers cut him, and now he's playing in China. They got rid of one of their other young assets, uh, Ivica Zubats, in that deal to get rid of Michael Beasley. Now, it, uh, good for Zubats. He's going to be playing in the postseason now. Good for him. He got out of that, you know, the, the situation that the Lakers are in right now. I put a lot of blame on Magic Johnson and Rob Polinka, and it's only going to get worse. I know I've painted this horrible scenario all year long. The Lakers, you know, missed the play. I didn't even come to that. I never once expected expected the Lakers to miss the playoffs, and there were people who did expect them. And I felt like those guys, they're they're haters. You know, they hate LeBron or they hate the Lakers. It, there's no way LeBron, and I've said it, I said it last week, there's no way LeBron is missing the playoffs. And he did. Unbelievable. So now it's even, the situation is even, is even worse. And if they don't bring anyone in, which I don't think they will, the Lakers could get no one this summer. And I don't think they're going to. Why would you go to the Lakers who just missed the playoffs and, oh, by the way, you're going to be, you're going to be second banana to LeBron James originally I said why would you why does it matter if you're second banana if you're winning titles that's not the case now you're just second banana and you're fighting to make the playoffs in the west so that is a reflection upon magic because they brought magic was supposed to be the ultimate free agent extraordinaire the guy to recruit players the guy to draw in players in the summer and sell the Lakers and bring free agents you missed on Paul George and now you're gonna miss on Basically, everyone this summer, your only hope, the only hope the Lakers have is that Kyrie Irving really wants to play with LeBron James. And even at that point, how much better does that make the Lakers? We saw what LeBron and Kyrie were in Cleveland. They were a good team. They made the finals consistently, but they weren't, they barely beat the Warriors in what was one of the, I mean, not one of the greatest comeback in NBA finals history. They were down 3-1. And they came back. But the point I like to look, I'm not glass half-empty guy. They were down 3-1, okay? I don't think this makes them better than the Warriors. It doesn't make them finals contenders or even Western Conference finals contenders. You'd have to bring in somebody else. And I don't think, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they're bringing in Kyrie Irving and then Kevin Durant. Though, I mean, that's a possibility. I don't think they're bringing in two guys. It would have to be you bring in Kyrie Irving and then the Pelicans cooperate and then you're able to trade 
you know, Lonzo. You'd have to get rid of Lonzo because you already have Kyrie Irving. Those two do not fit together. Um, and then you'd have LeBron, Kyrie, and Anthony Davis, which is a formidable big three. But what's, where's the rest of your team? Because you lose the five veterans that did not fit in L.A. And then you lose probably all three of your young guys, Lonzo, Ingram, and Kuzma, in that Anthony Davis deal. So they're really backed up into a corner. I put, up, I put a lot of blame on Magic Johnson and Rob Polinka for constructing the supporting cast. Because LeBron knew the young guys. He, he knew what he had there. It was the veterans that came in after LeBron. That's where things were kind of strange. And it was working. Even after all that, they were still fourth in the West. And then it just all kind of collapsed all at once. Um, and then they made two ridiculous, horrendous moves at the trade deadline, bringing in Reggie Bullock. It's Bullock, not even Bullock. Bullock and uh, Mike Muscala, who were, I mean, those guys were awful. Reggie Bullock was just I saw they brought him in. He was supposed to be their Kyle, their version of Kyle Korver in Cleveland. You know, their shooter, the three-point specialist. He was horrendous. Reggie Bullock was terrible. The games that I watched, he made like one or two threes. He was no good. And then Mike Muscala came in, you know, a few minutes per game. And now that, you know, it's all of this is likely going to cost, not likely, it is. It's costed Luke Walton his job. Who are you bringing in? Is it Brian Shaw? Are you going to bring in... Uh, Ty Lu to be your coach. I put a lot of this on Magic Johnson and Rob Polinka, though it's not all entire. Again, I think there's plenty of blame to go around. I would say 70% the front office, 30% LeBron James, just because he is the best player. And he's done it in the past so many times. And maybe we take him for granted. We see the rosters that he had in Cleveland that he, he, you know, he was dragging, kicking, and screaming into the finals last year. I thought the Lakers roster he had this year was better than the Cleveland roster last year. Apparently, I was wrong because this team didn't even make the playoffs. And maybe potentially, like I said, some of that is on LeBron. How were you able to kick it into gear and make it you know, to the finals last year, but this year you weren't able to kick it up another notch and make the playoffs? It's just a really unfortunate scenario. I feel like LeBron has starting to have a lot of regrets about coming to L.A. Everything that he came to L.A. for... Los Angeles specifically is working. He's got another movie uh, or not. Yeah, he's got a movie coming out. He has like four or five TV shows that he's running. Um, The Uninterrupted one, The Shop. He has a million dollar mile or something like that on CBS. I saw a commercial for. But everything he came to the Lakers for is absolutely not working. It's just been a disaster. Um, I feel like he has to own some of the blame, though most of it is on the front office. And, you know, I don't see how things are going to get. Unless, again, like I said, if they were to keep the same pace, they have like a 40% chance to uh, to get a top five pick in the lottery. Maybe the Lakers strike gold and they get R.J. Barrett. I don't know. But does R.J. Barrett turn your whole franchise around? I don't. You don't want to put that kind of pressure on, on, you know, a rookie. And maybe that's what the Lakers need. I've complained so many times that they took Lonzo Ball over De'Aaron Fox. Maybe they need a generational talent. From this draft to carry them in the future though I think RJ Barrett would probably probably be the number two overall pick you'd have to tank really really hard you'd probably have to lose all 17 of these games if you wanted RJ Barrett or Zion Williamson but the point being you know they have to get something they have to get something they can't just get like a number 12 pick because then this whole season would really be for not not only did you not make the playoffs but you didn't even get you know a solid draft pick and I don't see how trading that pick 
to the Pelicans is that I don't know why the Pelicans would want a top, you know, a 10 to 15 range first round pick. You know, and even you might even be more interested to keep your first round pick if it is an R.J. Barrett or a Zion Williamson. Though those are really outside chances. I don't think they're going to get that because you have teams like the Suns, uh, the Mavericks, and the Hawks that are that are just really, and the Knicks too. I mean, they're they're really bad. Also, you're going to have to. They've been tanking since day one. You're just getting ready to start tanking right now. So, um, I would have to say. And there really wasn't one definitive point. A lot of people want to say, well, it's when LeBron went down. I can't I can't see that because they were playing okay without LeBron. I mean, they were losing because obviously we knew the Lakers were no good without LeBron. We knew that. But they weren't as bad as they are now. They were actually slightly better without LeBron than they are with LeBron right now. And that's not a that's nothing against LeBron. That's not saying that he makes them worse. I'm saying they were playing better when he was out than they are right now. And do not tell me, good Lord, I'm getting ready to rip my hair out. Do not tell me it's because Lonzo Ball is out. I can't tell you how sick I am of hearing that, oh, Lonzo Ball is the the glue. He's the gel. They're losing because Lonzo's not out there. He plays defense. Can we stop with the Lonzo Ball and Dennis Rodman comparisons? He's not Dennis Rodman, Gary Payton, Draymond Green. He does not take over games defensively. Yes, he's a good defender. Lonzo Ball can play defense, and he accompanies that with nine points a game, but he is not dominating the pace of play. He is not dominating the other team's best ball handler. It Stop it, okay? Just stop. He, people are talking about him like he's, the, like he's Michael Jordan, like the greatest defender people have ever laid eyes on. It's just ridiculous. It's so, it makes me so angry when I hear people say, well, they're losing because they don't have Lonzo absolutely ridiculous I could not disagree with that anymore I mean it's just it's absolutely ridiculous does he play defense yeah sure are the Lakers missing defense yeah sure but he's not changing the entire culture he's just not okay stop it you sound like a buffoon when you say something like that I don't know if there's any one point in this season where you could point to and say that's where it all went downhill for the Lakers um I don't I think it's a combination of things. It's a combination of LeBron going down, and then you add the chemistry issues that came from the Anthony Davis thing. Then you, you know, add the you know the veterans that kind of checked out a little bit earlier than LeBron checked out. It's it's a whole mixture of problems that happened in the Lakers this year. Though I put most of these, and but if you look at those problems that I just listed, um, Anthony Davis not going through, or the Anthony Davis trade not going through. Um, the veterans checking out early. Who does that fall on? That falls on the front office. The front office were the ones trying to make that trade, and the front office were the ones who brought in all those veterans on one-year deals. So I put most of this blame on Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka. The LeBron James is not, his hand was not not in the cookie jar. He has some blame in this, though I put most of it on Magic Johnson. So it is now... On to college basketball, which is a lot more fun. I, you know, whenever I talk about the Lakers, it's really dreary uh, and upsetting because they're. Just, I don't see. I'm getting kind of frustrated already. College basketball is more fun for me to talk about. It's way more fun. So let's move on to that. Let's move on to something more fun. Um, two monster games this week. Like I said earlier in the show, uh, you have Duke and Carolina and Chapel Hill, and you have Michigan, Michigan State. In East Lansing, 
Two top 10 games back to back. What more could you ask for? You know, potentially conference championship game previews. So it's just, you know, so much. I can't wait. Those are on Saturday at three and five. I cannot wait to watch those games. I cannot wait. Every Saturday is just all college basketball, regular season. I'm trying to to get, you know, a feel for these teams and get ready, you know, to make my bracket, which is always tough. You always have so much hope. Isn't it funny how everyone thinks their bracket is perfect? And then once, you know, once it comes out the first day, the first hour and a half, they're like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I love seeing how confident everyone is in their bracket. And no one really understands the more you should not feel confident about your bracket because that means you have a lot of upsets. That means you have a lot of games that you're like, I don't know about this one. That's great because no one, no one knows anything about what's going to happen in the tournament. So the more games you feel kind of shaky on, that's actually the better because that means you have more upsets in there and there's more chance that you can actually you know, take advantage of the madness that's going on, uh, no pun intended. But anyway, we have those two games this Saturday. Then next week we have... Uh, the conference championships, like I said, here I'm going to list them here for you. Now, none of them are set in stone yet because the regular season is still going on. You know, it's it's this is the last weekend; it's going to end pretty soon. But uh, we don't have the luxury of you know, like I said, going once a week or recording a podcast once a week. Sometimes you're kind of you know in a bind a little bit because you have to kind of prepare for things that are going to happen, and then the next ensuing week you don't really get to talk about those things because it's it happens so. It seems like a long time ago. Like if Antonio Brown gets traded tomorrow, which he probably will be, next Thursday I don't think I'm going to talk about it because it's going to be so much time. It's almost a whole week had passed, and then no one's going to want to hear about it. So uh, I can't tell you what the actual matchups are. So I'm not going to be really picking conference tournaments because you know the t- the brackets aren't set uh, officially. But uh, here we go. Here's the conference tournaments uh, next week, starting on uh, the first one. Well, actually, a few conferences, the smaller ones. Missouri Valley, the Sun, all those clowns. They already started, but the real big dogs, they're starting next week, and I'm going to list those for you. Uh, March 12th, that's a t- that's next Tuesday, through the 16th uh, is the ACC tournament. So that one starts on March 12th, and that will end on the 16th, which is a Saturday. Um, that's the ACC. Then the SEC is March 13th through the 17th. That's Wednesday through Sunday. The Big Ten is March 13th through the 17th. Uh, the Big East is the the Big East is March thirteenth through the sixteenth, and the Big Twelve, twelve, twelve. I said the Big Twelfth like I was listing the dates. The Big Twelve uh, with a V, March thirteenth through March sixteenth. So all of them are pretty much. I mean, they're all like next weekend. The only one that kind of starts a little bit early is the ACC. It starts one day in advance and it ends, but it ends on the same day. And the ACC, I saw the bracket. It's re- it's a huge bracket, so I I understand why they'd have. And there's a double buy in the ACC. I don't, you know. And again, I don't know how exactly it's going to work because the, the season hasn't been finished yet. Certainly, Carolina uh, is fighting for that number one spot, and you know, with Virginia and stuff like that. So, um, you know, and then again, like I said, Tobacco Road is just fun to watch. Period. Whether it's, you know, you're fighting for the conference seating or whatever. I mean, it's just a fun game to watch no matter what. But it does have conference tournament. Uh, implications oh and the okay here's one i forgot this one i saved this one for last on purpose 
because it may be the most important when filling out your bracket. It's the American Conference. Now, I know you're probably thinking, I've never even heard of the American Conference. How could that have any kind of importance to me? I'll tell you. Because they have teams in there that are ranked in the top 15, in the top 25, um, and are really good teams. They're going to make the tournament. They have teams like Houston, who's, I think, top 50. Oh, I have it right here, actually. Houston is ranked number 12, and they were top 10 last week. And then they have UCF, who beat Houston uh, on the road, is now ranked number 25 in the nation. Uh, and they have good teams in there. The American Conference is a really good team. Uh, is there anyone else in the top 25 from the American? doesn't look like it. Uh, but they also have, I think UConn is like fighting for a spot. Uh, potential in the bubble i might be wrong on that i might just be making that up but you want to watch the american conference because i know you probably haven't seen much of those teams you have to watch those teams especially on a neutral floor um in a conference tournament you're gonna it's it's like a tournament setting you know similar to what they're going to be seeing uh in two weeks i was gonna say in march we're already in march but it's going to be similar to what they're going to be seeing in the big dance so you want to watch the american tournament that one's march 14th through the 17th uh next week that one's going to be the most important for you to watch because I know you haven't seen any of those teams. I've only seen those two teams once, and that was when they played each other. Uh, last, it was last Saturday, actually. Uh, UCF and uh, Houston were playing each other, and both of those teams are fun to watch. I mean, Houston was top 10 ranked at one point, and then UCF has, and you may remember this name from the Instagram uh, mixtapes, Taco Fall. He's 7'6". And that's not an exaggeration. He's 7 feet 6 inches tall, He's just a marvel on the court. He makes big men look small. He's very fun. It's fun to watch. Um, they said he was, oh, I forgot the number, but they they measured him in, in like a, how many tacos tall is taco fall? And I think it's like over 100 or something like that, like 120, maybe more than that. But he's seven feet, six inches tall. He's a very large man. Uh, you know, you can't miss him. Once he's on the floor, you can't miss him. And you definitely cannot miss his free throw shooting form. Good Lord, lethal shooter. Please help this man on the free throw line. But anyway, that's besides the point. You want to watch that. Um, you want to watch that tournament because you haven't seen any of those teams. If I had to take a guess at who's going to win these conference tournaments, um, and this is really, really a blind guess because I don't know who's playing who. It depends on who is, you know, where they are seated and who they're going to be playing in the first and second round, who has the toughest road. But, you know, just looking kind of like a blind guessing game, uh, I would say Texas Tech would likely win the Big 12. Kansas has looked absolutely horrendous. They just got blown out again. Was it last night? I think it was. Yeah, to Oklahoma. They did, they got blown out of the building, and then they got blown out by Texas Tech. They were destroyed, embarrassed on national television. I don't see anyone else in that conference challenging uh, Texas Tech. Potentially Kansas State, who is ranked in the top 25 I haven't seen Kansas State. I'm not going to lie to you. And you haven't either. So you may not have seen Texas Tech, which I don't blame. They're not a traditional basketball school. Um, and I say that in the sense they're not a blue blood. So I guess I would I would have to guess Texas Tech for the Big 12. Uh, in the Big East tournament, who's ranked in the Big The Big East is kind of falling off this year, which is a little disappointing because that's one of my favorite. I love the Big East because those are all just basketball schools. I mean, Xavier, Seton Hall, Villanova, Georgetown, St. John's, um, and none of them are really good. Villanova is ranked number 23, but I feel like they're ranked because they're named Villanova. They're really not very good. They're definitely not as good as they were last year, and they're definitely not uh, even good on the national scale if you're measuring them up to other top 25 teams. I guess if I would have, I'm going to say either Villanova 
Or oh wait, I, I lied. Marquette is ranked number 16 right now. Uh, so the Big East does have two teams ranked in the top 25. That's Marquette at 16, and then Villanova at number 23. Marquette is beatable though. I've seen them lose, you know, some pretty bad losses, and they just lost to Creighton a few days ago, or was it last week? And Creighton is not a very good team either. Um, I guess I would have to say either Marquette or potentially St. John's. You know, St. John's is actually they they're a little bit inconsistent. You know, but the games that I've seen them play, they've played really tough. It's kind of weird. I mean, I haven't seen much of St. John's, but what I have seen, you know, I, I've liked. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. I guess Marquette, just because they're the highest ranked team in the conference, and then St. John's is a wild card. So there you go. There's the Big East. Um, the Big Ten now. Let's round out the big conferences. Uh, this one's actually interesting. This is a very good conference. They have Michigan number seven and the Michigan State number nine, who, like I said earlier, are going to be playing each other this weekend. And then you have, going down a little bit further than that, uh, Purdue is number 11. Good Lord, they have uh, three teams at top 15. Um, going all the way down. Wisconsin ranked number 21. Maryland ranked number 24. So there's this is a very deep conference. The Big Ten is, uh, yeah, the Big Ten is a very deep conference. I guess I would have to say Michigan State because they usually, you know, they play well. In the conference tournament, Michigan State not traditionally under Tom Izzo has not really played well in the in the big tournament. I guess I would have to pick Michigan State to win, though that may that may change, you know, come Saturday. I'm, we haven't seen that game yet, so I'm, again, these are really just blind guesses at this point because I haven't seen the tournament or I haven't seen the the brackets for each of these conferences. I'm really just making blind guesses. So do not go gambling with these picks, please. Do not send me your bill from whatever your bookie or whatever cuz these are just really just careless, reckless picks that I'm making. Uh the SEC, this is another great tournament. Uh they have Tennessee ranked number 5 and then Kentucky ranked number 6. LSU ranked top 10 in the nation, a team that no one ta- again, not a traditional basketball powerhouse and I think they're kind of flying under the radar because of that. Uh, they're ranked number 10. Um, who else in the SEC? I think that's it for top 25 teams in the SEC. Yep, that's it. Yeah, that's it. So you have uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, and then LSU. That's going to be very interesting because I have not seen one one um, LSU game this year. I'm going to be honest. I haven't watched LSU at all. I've watched Tennessee a few times. Uh, I've seen Kentucky and both of those Schools are really, really kind of inconsistent. You don't really know what you're going to get from either of those guys. Tennessee, I don't know. They're, SEC is really kind of it's it's hard for me to watch. Really, like I can get into ACC because I guess because you know the the big names are the Duke, Carolina, all those guys. So it's harder for me to get into SEC um, basketball. I guess if I had to pick one, I guess I would say Kentucky. I really I've liked what I've seen more from Kentucky than Tennessee, and they have John Calipari who has postseason experience if i had to pick a team in the sec it would be kentucky and moving on to the acc this one's good this is fantastic virginia number two north carolina number three duke number four all those teams are going to be playing against each other in the tournament and that's not it going down further in the acc you have florida state at number 14 virginia tech at number 15 um no, i think that's it so you have how many teams is that four or five teams ranked in the top 25 it's absolutely ridiculous ridiculous if i had to make a i like carolina i really do if i had to pick a national title contender right now i would say carolina however i feel like virginia will win the acc tournament 
I don't know why. I just do. Virginia's really hot right now. They've been playing really well, as is Carolina. Though I think Virginia, they have, you know, they have kind of unfinished business. They're really going to turn it on. I feel like Virginia's going to win um, the ACC. And they're probably going to have the number one overall seed in the ACC. Um, that much I know. So that, that will probably, you know, have a big hand in them winning that tournament. So I'll take, uh, I'll take Virginia to win the ACC, actually. And I think it's going to come down to Virginia and Carolina in that championship game. So that's going to be a fantastic game to watch. I think, you know, on neutral court, just this time, I'll take Virginia, though I feel like Carolina is a better national title contender. Uh, and then the last one, the American Conference, uh, I'll take Houston. I don't know. Like I said, I haven't watched many of those games. You know, I've only watched one American Conference game, and it was the two teams that I think are going to be competing for a championship, uh, Houston and UCF. I'll take Houston in a rematch on a neutral court. So there's your um, your college basketball championship week rundown. Is a really, really um, unthorough coverage by me, but I don't have. I only have one TV. Okay, I don't have 48 TVs. Uh, I'm not. I'm not Joey Brackets in the bunker watching every single team every night. Um, but I try my best. Okay, I'm doing my best here. And come bracket time, I will definitely be prepared because I take my brackets very very seriously um, and I can't wait make sure you watch those games this weekend and watch championship uh, champ week next week which we will be talking about for sure because most of them start on the 14th or most of them start on the 13th anyway so next week will be like in the second round uh, of most tournament conference tournaments so we'll be talking about that for sure now it's time for the quote of the week let's end it off real strong all right time for the quote of the week it's how we end every episode every week you get the best quote I heard of that week, thus the name, quote of the week. Here we go. Quote, that long plane ride really helped us out a lot. Kyrie Irving on the success they had against the Warriors after a big win against the Oracle, um, against the Warriors in Oracle. Um, he said, you know, long plane ride from Boston to uh, Oakland really helped out the team, built their chemistry. Look, I don't know. Maybe he's reaching here, and he's definitely reaching here. Fine, whatever, because finally, I've, I've been waiting for the Celtics to kind of turn it on all year long, and I'm sure a lot of people have. I picked them way back when in the preseason to win the Eastern Conference, and I haven't sold. I told you last week, I said, do not sell your stock on the Boston Celtics. Do not, because they are going to turn it on pretty soon, especially in the postseason. They're going to be dangerous to, do, to, you know, to have to play and beat in a seven-game series. And lo and behold... They dismantled the Warriors. Now, I think this is kind of, you know, double standard a little bit because for the Warriors, they're due. You know, every every team in the NBA just has a bad night where you just do not show up and you get blown out. It happens. But for the Celtics, it's more than just a game. Even if the Warriors came out and, and publicly and said, we weren't trying, we literally let you guys win. Well, one, that'd be a ridiculous comment. But two, it doesn't matter because it's a statement win for the Boston Celtics. It's a... It's the, the statement win that they needed to galvanize the team and increase the chemistry and get ready. And by the way, Gordon Hayward, I mean, was he was he was balling out of his mind off the bench against Golden State, had 30 points that game off the bench, and then last night he had another game winner against Sacramento. So, you know, they're getting Gordon Hayward going now. All of a sudden now they all those People were saying they have too many weapons. Guess what? All those weapons are starting to click now because you're including Gordon Hayward. Jason Tatum should get... I mean, it's just, Boston is, is finally living up to their potential. And it's only one game, like I said, but 
sometimes that's all you need. If you're a team that's struggling and you don't have a lot of chemistry and you're kind of down on yourselves, sometimes all it takes is one game. It's a pivotal moment in your season where you finally turn around and just think about this. There's only a few weeks, like two or three weeks left in the season. Boston could start heating up at just the right time. Think about that. They could start heating up as they're getting into the postseason versus other teams that were heating up. You know, they kind of peaked a little bit too early. You know, now I'm not saying, I'm not calling out any teams, but there are, it happens. We've seen it before where teams, they hit their peak like before the All-Star break and then they just collapse and then they lose in the first round of the playoffs. Boston is the exact opposite. They've been trending downward this whole season and now all of a sudden it looks like they're starting to trend up and they may hit their peak in June. So, you know, good on the Celtics. And I'm happy for the Celtics because I, I picked them way back when, and I like being right. I just want the Warriors and the Celtics in the finals so I can go back and say, look at my preseason. I was right way back when in October. So, you know, and I like Kyrie Irving and I like Brad Stevens. So I want to see them, you know, succeed, especially in the East because the, the East is open. It, I mean, there's a good team in the East. You have the Raptors, obviously, and the Bucks, the Sixers, and then the Celtics. But it's a combination of those teams. In the West, it's the Warriors and then nobody else. Potentially the Rockets, potentially the Thunder. But we would, in a seven-game series, I think we would all pick the Warriors over any of those teams. So the East is wide open for the Celtics. They should, you know, they had a chance to get to the finals last year. It looks like it's their conference to lose. And, you know, along whatever it takes. I mean, I don't think a long plane ride, if it was four or five hours, galvanize i don't think that changes the whole dynamic of their locker room but if that's what you want to go off of fine and make the shirts right now i can't there's going to be shirts in boston garden in the garden saying you know uh, board the plane or whatever let make that their rallying cry you know board the plane get on the plane something like that someone's got to work on that if you're a t-shirt guy get to work on that that shamrock green get on the plane t-shirt because it, this could be a point when the celtics look back on that's where our season turned around so good for Kyrie Irving. Do I think it was the plane ride? No, but sometimes you have to, you have to kind of, if you're a leader or if you're a member of a team that's struggling, you have to set to grab some point, some, some dumb moment or quote or saying to use as your rallying cry. And so far, since they got in that plane ride, they're undefeated. They're 2-0 since they had that long plane ride. And then get this, they're on the road. They have to take a long plane ride back to Boston. So they're going to get twice as good uh, once they come back to Boston. So the Celtics are trending upwards. Uh, that's the end of our show for this week. Uh, you can listen on Anchor Podcasts. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever good podcasts are sold. You know, enjoy the games this weekend. I can't. I'm going to be watching those nonstop. Uh, make sure you watch the games next week before um, the next crowd noise. The Champ Week games. Those are going to be really important. If you're into the filling out brackets like I am, those are going to be very important. Keep an eye out on those games and not just, you know, take my advice or don't. I mean, you don't have to, but don't just watch Duke and Virginia and Carolina can tell all the blue bloods, even though you want to. But if you have to make a choice, if there are two games on at the same time, one is Duke and Virginia Tech or something like that. And another one is UCF and UConn. Watch the lower seated games. Watch UCF and UConn because... You haven't seen them before. You have to get an idea for them because they're going to be. There's 64 teams on your bracket. It's hard for you to watch them all, but the more you do watch, the better your bracket is going to be. Take my advice. You know, sacrifice. You know, maybe a little bit of enter, entertainment value because you want to see Duke in the conference tournament. I get that, but sac- make a little bit of sacrifice and then win your bracket pool. So, 
it's up to you now. I put, I give you the tools. You can build with, you can build what you want with them. Um, I'll talk to you guys next week.